When they found her, she was wandering the countryside. Caribou. You, Caribou? She had no name. Who is it? Oh, that is uh, a filthy beggar. Stop it! Look at No money. She's not a beggar, dear. She's a stranger in need. No home. Her story should be told. And no one could understand her. But I... Hers is a language I have never before encountered. So they did the logical thing. Our home has become your home, my dear. They made her royalty. May I present Princess Caribou? She is the sensation of town. Now everyone is wondering. I think she comes from a tribe of woman warriors. Is she living a fairy tale? Princess. Or making one up. Have you examined the markings on her buttock? As she goes along. Do you think she's a fraud? Yes. Phoebe Cates. Stephen Ray. It's a mad, dangerous thing you're doing. Kevin Clyde. They are idiots. John Lithgow. <gasps> She's an imposter. The incredible true story of Princess Caribou. I knew you were a fraud, and I spit in your soup. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Wet Wired. I'm Sean Andes. And I'm Julian Paul Buck. In the hallowed tradition of Anna Sorkin and former U.S. Representative George Santos, and all the other people claiming to be something they're not, there's a thriving class of people claiming to have royal blood. Like the guy from Colorado who claimed to be the King of England. Or the other American guy from Maryland who claims to be King of the Isle of Man. And essentially everyone who's ever claimed to be a Romanoff. Today we'll be talking about a few of the greater and lesser known fakes and frauds who've pretended to have a royal title. Leading us on our tour of Pretenders to Thrones, we're joined again by Carl Mamer, host of the Conspiracy Skeptic podcast and author of the Skeptic's Book of Lists. And now he has a new book called The Conspiracy Skeptic's Book of Lists, Conspiracy's Deception Lies in the Invisible Made Visible. Carl, welcome back to the show. Hey, thank, thanks for having me back. But as we're saying off, off air, your show just keeps getting better and better. That is yeah, really we, sweet. We appreciate that so much. I think the quote will appear on our uh, on our Twitter banner pretty soon. <laughs> Every Absolutely. episode is better than the last. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, when I saw that you came out with this uh, with a uh, your your second book, I was so pumped because I when we last talked about your book uh, and and you're you know um, mentioning some of the ideas of of what you were gonna what you were working on, <laughs> I was like how. How are you going to have enough content for this? Because right, you, yeah. <laughs> you you already had there were so many things that you wrote in the first book, and uh, no, 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 this one has at least on my Kindle. But I have the I I'm uh, potentially losing my eyesight because I have the the screen turned up to old man font. Uh, but uh, mine is like a thousand pages or something. I'm not sure. Um, but either way, uh, it. It, it just keeps uh, remaining good. Oh, thank so you. What he, yeah, we'll, see, this, we'll see what happens on your okay. third book, but at least these two are great. great. Yeah. 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 This, this one rings in about uh, maybe 50 pages, uh, maybe, maybe pushing a hundred pages more than the other one. So no kidding. So, yeah. It, uh, and I had to cut so much stuff out too, which, you know, will find its way into my third book. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so yeah, I was gonna say this is my yeah. Oh, why, why don't you tell us a little bit about the book and the the types of topics that oh, you decided yeah. to include in this one? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was gonna say this is my this is my third appearance on your show. As we call it, we call it in Canada, we call it a hat trick. It is a hat so trick. That's right. You, uh, it's it's a it's a hat trick. Yeah. So I'm I'm so pleased. But, You're uh, in yeah. direct competition so, with with uh, Steph. Yeah, our oh, uh, j- well. just just on our last episode, our uh, she she oh, she right. beat you by one episode to uh, be the first one okay. to come back three times. All right, yeah. Well, <laughs> she is she she knows her stuff cold, so uh, I, I don't I don't I don't mind uh, uh, playing second fiddle to her. So that's <laughs> that's per- perfectly fine. Yeah, she's a, she's an excellent guest too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, right. So I got my done my first book, and then you know. It's it's like having a podcast, right? You know, the only thing different between someone who has a podcast and a creep is you have a reason to call up interesting people and go, "Can I talk to uh-huh. you?" Right? <laughs> you know? So, so it's like no podcast. It's like I just know I'll sound creepy if I just message people can i just talk to you for an hour yeah it's it's kind of nice to have a podcast in that way but but yeah same thing with the book once you've done a book it's like now what the hell do you do it my mornings you know so i'll just write another one so me i'm gonna got this one out uh the conspiracy skeptics book of lists available on amazon and i'm working on now the third one creatively titled uh the skeptics book of lists two so i think i'm gonna kind of alternate like a skeptics book of lists and one more focused and then a you know then a, the, a general, and then you know after skeptics book list too, probably do the UFO skeptics book lists or something like that. So so yeah, um, so yeah, this one's more focused on conspiracies, or as I sort of say, the the invisible made visible. So I mean, it's it's conspiracies, but it's also that that um, world that just below our 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 day to day perception it's not being hidden by anybody but you just don't pay attention to it and uh and it becomes real you know it becomes sort of fodder for you know conspiracists and and stuff like that so kind of exploring a lot of that and and i guess it, you know again it just ranges from um you know like I think we talked last time, like maybe secret, secret code words, different professions use. And, you know, if you hear like have a Disney day or, or, you know, what does that mean exactly? You know, yeah. I mean, it's not that, that may be more urban legend, but it, apparently it's, you know, Disney staff telling me that F off or something. Have a Disney day. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Go just, Disney you know, yourself. <laughs> exactly. And then like, you know, um, you know, like you look at the back of a, a, a you know, T-shirt or open up, you know, look at the back of electronics. There's all these you know symbols, right? You know, where do those? What are those? What do those symbols mean? You know, where do they come from? And and uh, you know, by appointment to the queen, what does that mean? You know, those kinds of things. So so yeah. So it's just it, it, it's pretty wide ranging, and and it is it's it's you know it's really difficult too because it's it's like it's like technically anything in the woo world could be considered a conspiracy, right? You know, like. Why are they telling you about Bigfoot? You know, that's a conspiracy. But so, so it, you know, trying to find that certain demarcation between, you know, is just just a paranormal topic or is there more kind of a, you know, conspiracy meat to this kind of thing? Try, trying to trying to find that. So that was that was that was kind of interesting. I think that's something that Sean and I always come back to is the the ever present struggle with with semantics of mm-hmm. words like conspiracy and cult and uh just downright fucking bonkers and exactly. and, and trying trying to see where that demarcation line is 
uh, and and have a accurate model of the world that that has some bearing in reality without necessarily dismissing things that maybe have a kernel of truth to them or at least might be uh, 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 interesting enough in their lack of truth. Yeah. I mean, my, 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 one of my more recent podcasts, I interviewed this guy, uh, Jeff, Jeff Dupuis, who's written a series of books. <laughs> this is another classic example of, you know, can, you know, how to be not a successful Canadian writer. So not only is he writing books about, you know, mysteries, um, you know, Canadian mysteries, uh, but, you know, cryptids from a skeptical point of view it's all kind of wrapped together and you know his own publishing company's got we got no idea how to even market a book <laughs> that is kind of you know foot in three camps but uh but brilliant guy in fantastic books um but he he had, he had a great sort of point like like a lot of times it's it's you know it's just never like well you know the, the scientists are just wrong you know which may be a valid thing to believe, but but it's always like no, they're hiding something. You know, they they never they sort of go like, you know, they're th- well, they're just they're just wrong about Big Bang. You know, like no, they're just hiding something. You know, it's it. so that's what kind of then punts it over to a conspiracy. So it's it's looking for that where you know they're not necessarily claiming X is wrong, but they're claiming something is being hidden from us. You know, and that's where to me it begins to get into conspiracy territory. And it really can. As soon as you start imagining some sort of motive, then you end up with a, a, a narrative that supports it because you can't have a motive without a story. And then they, some people will provide the story, and the next thing you know, you have. Yeah, you you have a Telegram channel, and there's and and you know you a mailing list, and I, you're you're making videos on Rumble. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean, Penn Jillette had a great quote about you know the difference between a skeptic and a cynic. You know, he's like it's like a skeptic questions the evidence you use to come to a belief, whereas a cynic questions your motivations for coming to that belief. So, you know, so I always try to avoid questioning people's motivations mm-hmm. like well you just believe this because you're a bad person you know yeah <laughs> versus like versus like well what evidence did you use to come to this belief that's that's where you that's where you want to dig you know like don't waste time just like well you just want you know like because uh, you know it's like atheists uh, you know atheists you know, we get it a lot from sort of you know theists or just like, well you just want to go off and be your own god and just you just you know have your you know your 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 rock and roll sex and graveyards and no one's gonna care you know like like they have all these motivations versus just like i just don't s- see it man sorry <laughs> yeah <laughs> well coming coming from uh from someone who talks about people's motivations all the time I, I appreciate your approach. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. I, well, it's, it's fun. Yeah. I, I'm always looking for like, so how are they making money off of this? That's exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're, I mean, obviously when you're writing doing a podcast, like, yeah, delve into the motivations. But I, I just think when you're kind of debating these people one-on-one, you know, just tackle, tackle the evidence. Like, just don't get into the try to debate their mm-hmm. motivations, you know, it's, it's, it's like, yeah. So in this, uh, so this time around you were, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, an entire section of your book, of your latest book, where you're talking about people who have been making, who've made claims to some sort of like royal lineage. Yes, exactly. How did you find the people that, that, that ended up included in the book? 
Yeah, well, you know, I, yeah, I mean, obviously they're 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 claiming some kind of yeah, like throne. You know, I think the list is called ten odd claims to thrones. So it's it's not necessarily like more the pedestrian ones, but more kind of the, the, the weird things that have a hook to it. But uh, I, I mean, obviously, you know, like in a lot of um, uh, you know conspiracies and paranormal stuff like that is called, called credentialism you know that that it's like you know people want to be you know they they, they get they go to mail order you know universities and get a phd they want to call themselves doctor right you know and they want to seem credentialed at the same time you know believing academia is you know this ivory tower that excludes people they they also want to be part of academia and, and you know the fastest route to that is just getting a you know getting a mail order degree but then there are people that that go like one step beyond uh, a good song by Mandis. One yeah, I was totally on. thinking yeah, that. Exactly. I wasn't sure if anybody else was going to catch that. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm like, I'm like stuck in the '80s, much to the horror of my wife. But uh, yeah, so, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's like not Taylor a bad Swift. place to be who's stuck. This, yeah, <laughs> who's this Taylor Swift to keep hearing about? <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so, um, and I really encountered this oh, um, a number of years ago. And I went to go see a talk by a group called the Ethereum Society. And they were going to like offer all these proofs of aliens. And, and it turns out that you know, they, they just like, they're this weird kind of like yoga UFO cult started by this guy, George King. And George King was one of the early contactees, one of the original George contactees from the fifties. The and, and, and I think he took his last name rather literally because he just started like awarding himself all of these royal degree or not degrees like royal titles like he was like uh you know he was lord and 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 knight of something and and then you sort of dig into this it, and and it's like what you know there's a whole industry out there of people selling royal titles some all all of them are not legitimate at all but some maybe have a little bit more like like yeah this guy is actually the descendant of this prince of this kingdom that you know, you know, disappeared in the 15th century, but he can legitimately trace his route, and he just starts awarding people. He thinks it still exists, and he starts awarding people you know, royal titles for for a price, of course, and and, and uh, yeah. So, but then there's this whole other level. So you got your people like the George King who just want yeah. you know, credentialism, but there are people that just you know give themselves the, the titles because they begin to think that they are, you know, they are royalty and things like that. Or, or it, it's, it's, it's just not credentialism. It's a deep, deep part of their grift. You know, well, which, uh, I, I am royalty in Scotland uh, because one of my friends bought me a square foot uh, oh, yes. it, and for, for my birthday one year. So I, I have a square foot uh, of, of nobility, nobility entitling uh, land in Scotland somewhere. Uh, yes. I, I, I wonder how it's doing. They, they don't really send me annual <laughs> updates. Um, I also have a title. Uh, I, I am a minister in the Church of Dudism. Uh, it's free. Right. Uh, you know the dude from the Big Lebowski, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you can go online and get a free certificate and print it out yeah i think you have to answer a couple of questions about how cool you are <laughs> well that, that's actually another list in my book too the uh right right the the scottish laird i think yeah which i think claim <laughs> is equivalent of lord and uh yeah like that that was made illegal by scotland like decades ago like the um what was it like 
sort of uh, titles to plots of land of novelty, you know, novelty plots of land or, of you know, of insignificant size. So, yeah, you can't just sort of like sell a square meter of your, of your, your, your estate, <laughs> things like that. And, and, and it, it even gets even weirder to like Laird is, it's not even a, a royal title that, you know, is commensurate with like Lord. It, it, it's kind of like, it's more of like, you know, it, it, it's, it's literally like the, um, you, you know, um, the, you know, that from a Disney film or, you know, Hey governor, you know, just because you're calling someone governor, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's just like, Oh, you know, you work on that fancy estate, you know, when, Hey governor, when, when somebody calls you sir in England and that somebody calling you sir in England is royalty. That's very different from when they say, sir, this is an Arby's. You're going to have to see yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> very exactly. different kind yeah. of sir yeah now I, I will say right off hand lot giving yourself a royal title 10 it, it's not technically illegal unless of course you're kind of using it as part of some you know some grift or something like that but but um you know it, it's you know it's not it's it's it, it's it's kind of maybe a little bit I mean, it's ethically up there with like you, what we call like stolen valor, right? You know, wearing, yeah. you know, service medals you didn't earn, which I guess I think the Supreme Court in America sort of struck that down. And it is actually legal, albeit highly unethical to, you know, to. Yeah, because considering the, you know, the list of electorate, elected officials that have claimed and then had later disproven their military service, the uh, it is. Yeah. I, I'm but, thinking of somebody in. But never been arrested. Oh. It is definitely legal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I think I mean, Brian Dennehy even did that. He claimed to have served in Vietnam and saw combat and things like that. And but he, uh, know, the actor yeah. Brian Dennehy, but he, um, yeah, but yeah. he, it turns out he was in the army, but he never did any of the things he said he'd done. You know, or um, I mean, right along those lines, you know, the um, who was the uh, the news anchor Jules that claimed to have like been shot at over Baghdad or something like that? I, I forget what his oh. name was. He was on. ABC, I believe. Anyway, uh, Brian Uh something. Jennings Jennings or something? Peter Jennings. Peter Jennings, right. Yeah. And and Hillary Clinton Clinton claimed the same thing, that the the helicopter had been shot at when she was Secretary of State. Yeah. Yeah, And it's just, the list goes on, you know, like people just exaggerate things and then it takes on a whole life of its own because you have to explain the story because people want to hear it. And then all of a sudden, like you're, you know, you're three medals deep into your military service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. You do. You have to be very, very careful about that because these, these things are, I mean, the UFO world is replete with people who claim, you know, military service that either they, you know, they never served in the military or it's like, okay, you know, you were not a major, you are, were a private and you were never in Vietnam hunting for UFOs, but you, you know, serve as a cook in Germany. Like, like we, we've yeah. seen the, uh, the escape, uh, the escape hatch for that particular approach though. Everybody knows you're going to oh, end up okay. getting caught. Oh, right. Yes. You know, you'll eventually get caught because right. somebody's going to look it up. And a lot of these records are public or at least discoverable. So now it's like, oh, well I did my service. Off, I, I, I did my military service off planet. And, right, yes, yes. and another one is just saying that, oh, uh, well, I'm not authorized to tell you that it's top secret. But even that stuff uh, can be discovered, yes. you know, like and, and I think it says something interesting about our culture. I don't want to get get sidetracked. I want to I want to get into the the people that sure, you've yeah, already yeah. prepared to talk about with us, Carl. But 
it says something about our culture. We had a candidate running running for office in 2020 who was sort of like on the Trump ticket, you know, one of these endorsed Trump endorsed politicians, I believe in Ohio, running for a representative seat. And the man actually had done military service. He really had. He'd been in an engineering corps. He'd been in like Cotter and, you know, doing things there. He had been stationed in, in you know, in other, in other Middle East bases with the U.S. He did not do see any fighting. He wasn't in a fighting unit. But for some reason that like he decided or people advising him decided that just wasn't sexy enough. You can't just talk about having served in the military, done your job, serve your country, you know, all these things. And then, you know, received a discharge, an honorable discharge and gone about your way. No, he had to be this special forces operator in Afghanistan and he can't talk about the missions and everything is super secret. And, and like all these, these, these ops he went on, but that says something about like the kind of like society we've been, we've been creating down here south of you that we, you know, we, we don't, you know, nothing, there's, is no value unless it's like extra, extra special, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think I think it's sort of like Sam and Dean Winchester, where as you're watching the series, at a certain point, you uh, you 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 start off with with fighting werewolves and and a ghost, and that's particularly challenging. Uh, and then by the seventh or twentieth season, I don't know how many seasons it eventually had, uh, you have to fight God again. And uh, the rematch <laughs> and the rematch and and you resurrected for the seventh time. And it, it just gets so far flung at a certain point that you just have to keep adding more to it. And there's never enough. There's never enough. <laughs> well, well, with, with all that let's, said, let's get back. <laughs> this one, this episode is for all the phonies out there. It's 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 for all the fakes who were just born normal nine to fivers, but wanted a little taste of that sweet royal life, and they weren't too shy to exactly. take some of it, some of it for themselves. So let's get into let's get into it, Carl. Yeah, great. Yeah, my my new book, my my previous book, I kind of organized lists alphabetically. This one, I kind of organized like historically. So from the oldest to the, to the most recent, because I thought that's mo much more interesting. Because if you're looking at something, you might want to just like, what's the most recent freak, you know? Yeah, and then look yeah. at that and then sort of work backwards. And so, yeah. I did kind yeah, of notice that. Yes, yes, yes. I sort of organize things more in uh, historically, which I think is a better way to do it. But I'm going to jump to the middle, and then maybe jump to the to, to the beginning. But because uh, because I think the middle one, he's probably the most famous, probably in America for um, you know uh, pretend potentates would be Emperor Norton. And you, you've probably heard of Emperor Norton by right? name. Yeah, this is not yeah. somebody I've looked into though. So and I intentionally did oh, not okay. do any background research on any of the oh, people no that you, that you okay. included in the list you know that you wanted to talk about okay. because i want to i want to hear it all for the first time great okay yeah what well, i mean emperor norton is the kind of the er kook you know he was like he set the standard for a lot of kooks to come later but he was uh he was basically he's very well to do he was a uh, investor in uh, san francisco and he, he this is the um 19th century he died um 1880 um so yeah he was a, he was a uh, investor did had a big import export business kind of thing yeah exactly yeah yeah uh just at the top of like san francisco you know uh, society and uh he um he, he got sort of wind that uh uh there's a huge uh rice 
crash of the rice crop in China. So he 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 thought you know rice was gonna you know rice futures were gonna spike. So he just kind of like bet the farm uh, on on rice futures, and then as it sort of turned out, it wasn't true. It was bad, it was bad if fake news, fake news, and um, and uh, Peru had also kind of I guess the whole nation of Peru. I guess they make rice grow rice too and they just kind of then flooded the market thinking that you know we're going to clean up and and so the you know rice crash and basically norton his fortune was wiped out he was basically reduced to being being a, being a, a, a pauper um he sort of you know dropped out for a while and then uh, a few years later he kind of he he somehow was able to scrunch together enough money and he, he uh, purchased like a, an ad in, in one of the local uh, San Francisco papers uh, proclaiming himself uh, Norton the first emperor of the United States. And, uh, and, and we'll see some similarities that I think we can get into Romana Didolo <laughs> later on Queen Romana. But uh, yeah, so he, I like to see, he, he, he mailed every, uh, I think every member of government in the United States, uh, I think everybody in Congress, maybe every governor and senator and just b- commanded them to, uh, you know, uh, show up at the San Francisco music hall on February 1st, 1859. And, uh, you know, they were required to bend the knee and, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> straight to uh, it. So exactly. Surprisingly, no, no one, no one showed up and what the, you know, but that didn't phase him. He just continued life in San Francisco as if he was emperor. He dressed the part, you know, like wore, you know, uh, you know, not a crown, but you know, like a, you know, like a, you know, navy hat and and, and uh, you know, monocle. People are big into monocles when they uh, when they <laughs> want to be uh, when they want to put pass themselves off as royalty. And he just kind of wander around. And he would just issue proclamations, and he started. Uh, uh, writing his creating his own money. Now, now for, it was a bit of an oddball at first, but he he had the effect of his pro, he would issue these proclamations, which were very very progressive for the time. So, like you know, I proclaim that you know there there's there's no more segregation. You know, I proclaim women have the right to vote, and 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 he he was able to say a lot of things that San Francisco residents couldn't you know they 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 wanted to you know they wanted to like you know not have segregation and they wanted women you know universal suffrage and and, and stuff like that so he became this weird kind of folk hero almost like and, a benevolent um, king exactly type of story. and, and people yeah exactly and people would take his money and then you know give him a meal for his money and things like that and even even the police force got into the game they would they would salute him whenever they saw him him pass by <laughs> and uh yeah and uh and, and when he when he when he passed away uh the, he was basically laid in state and like i don't know like 10,000 people came to pay their respects and and yeah and so he was uh, this this very interesting kind of kind of character that uh and but yeah but again a lot of he was there he had a lot of support because he was expressing Things that again that people people really believe, but you know they they couldn't really speak up about. So it's kind of an interesting interesting character, and and you know and that some, sometimes the power of you know kooks, you know, I guess we'll we'll kind of see it seen a bit. But uh, I mean the the earliest one I kind of I, and I'm sure there's you know there's pretenders of thrones going back to you know, you know millennia. I but, think since um, there's been thrones. Uh, 
Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But my favorite first one was uh, was a woman who was claiming to be Princess Caribou. And this this was oh, at the this beginning is a good of the, one. The, yeah. This is the beginning of the 19th century and uh just just one day you know this this couple is Bristol Bristol England uh this couple was sort of out and just sort of discovered this young woman who was like you know kind of she would like wear a turban and she's exotically dressed and did not seem to speak English. And so they, they, you know, they understood she was homeless and lost and probably, you know, from a foreign land and they, 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 they took her in, but um, they couldn't, uh, they couldn't quite you, you figure out her language. And then. Um, oh, so she had her own language. language. Yes, yeah, she she spoke a language unknown to the to the nice oh couple in uh, in Bristol. Yeah, that took her Jeez. in. So uh, yeah, so, so so somehow they were they were able to figure out her her name was was Car- Caribou, and uh, and she was a a, a princess uh, from uh, Southeast Asia, and uh, and then she she. And it gets into parody here almost like, because I think it was like, you know, she worshiped a god named Alatala. So, uh, and if someone like only had the faintest idea of what, you know, Islam was about, she just kind of, kind of copped. Uh, so, uh, so they came to believe like, you know, they kind of had this, this princess and, and, uh, and, and, but again, no one could translate her language until some Portuguese sailor sort of, sort of heard about her and then kind of came by. Now he claimed to, oh yeah, I, I know her language, which it, it's never really sort of discovered. Was he in on the grift? Was he in on the take or something like that? Or is like it just that? some, but, it's but some he, sort of folly ado? Just continuing the troll, you know, like, like, you know, you know like I say, like, like, it's, you know, as they say, the internet existed, you know, for centuries before the internet, but a lot of times it was just word of mouth and on paper, man. But, Listen, uh, if people yeah. can learn how to speak Klingon, anything's possible. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, so he helped sort of fill out her backstory. And, uh, now, now it turns out, you know, she was this Javanese princess, uh, who had kidnapped by pirates. And then she was able to, you know, daring escape from their ship and swim ashore off the coast of England. And, and, uh, and, uh, yeah. And so it, this now ballooned in the newspapers and tourists started to come by. Now, I don't think the couple were charging any money, but, uh, <laughs> part of the attraction was she, uh, she liked to, to, uh, saunter around in not much clothes because, you know, it's, it's hot in Indonesia and you don't necessarily wear a lot of clothes. And so she would, she would swim topless and dance half naked. And I guess even like fence too, like, you know, partially clothed and, and stuff like that. And, uh, but of <laughs> course, you know, the, these things are hard to keep up even, you know, before the internet and, 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 you know, reverse image search on Google and stuff. And eventually fencing is, yeah. fencing is not an activity that you associate with partial nudity. I can't confirm. Try it, man. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I actually, uh, am classically trained in foil saber and epee. And uh, it can hurt with the padding if you get struck hard <laughs> enough. I mean, we we practice lightness of touch, but <laughs> nevertheless, yeah, a sword to the but tit's going to hurt. Oh yeah. <laughs> As it turned out, Princess Caribou was, of course, not a princess. She was not from Indonesia. She was from a. a, a British town called called Devon, and uh, <laughs> eventually, yeah, her her name was Mary Wilcox, and her um her, her parents eventually came to collect her, and they're, they're like, uh, 
A, this is not the first time she's done something like this. And B, the quote was, she's not quite right in the head. I mean, what did she, was she, I mean, I'm just wondering, like, how were people taken in by the complexion? I mean, like the, it is like, she obviously yeah. doesn't look like she's Javanese, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, and not that anybody had ever seen anybody from Java, but they, but exactly. they, I mean, I guess there has to be some idea of what people in the, in the South Pacific look like, but that didn't phase anyone. <laughs> no, like again, you know, people, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's for a lot of people, it's just thrilling to think they have a, uh, you know, they have a princess in their mists and they're willing to believe it. And, and it's bringing tourists yeah, yeah. like y- your, your most recent podcast about um, the, uh, the pyramid in Indonesia, sure. right? Well, there's some, you know, Hey, you know, the Javanese pyramid or whatever that uh, uh, right. Right. You know, like I-, I guarantee you, even if that paper is retracted, even now Indonesia is taking bids on hotels, yeah. right? You know, this yeah. Is, yeah. Oh, they, they, yeah. And in fact, I've, I've, I've read that also that there's been a huge spike in tourism and that's actually part of the problem is that people are, there's, there's no real sort of order has, uh, enforced about how tourists visit the site. So damage is occurring to the real archeology span because of trampling. Oh yeah, exactly. The, the next one, and this one is just fun to say, uh, the King of Beaver Island. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, the um, you remember uh, Mormonism, jo- Joseph Smith. Um, uh, you know, one of the problems with sometimes cults is they don't have a succession plan, right? And Joseph Smith is a classic example that that he, uh, you know he just figured he was gonna. I mean, he was an old man when he was when he was killed but uh you know he did not have himself a succession plan and so when he died you know there were like multiple claimants like well no i'm the leader well i'm his son i'm the leader i'm his wife i'm the leader and and, uh there's this one one guy um james strang he uh he he himself claimed he was the uh you know the actual the, the the anointed chosen one because you know visions or something like that that's the other kind of problem it's like once you know, if if your evidence is just, you know, I'm having visions and God is talking to me, then the next guy can go, actually, God is talking to me too. And if you have to believe that guy, <laughs> then there's no, then you maybe have to believe the other guy too. So, um, now, wh- one of the problems is that at that time, Mormonism was, um, um, you know, it, it, uh, you know, men were commanded to take multiple wives, right? So it just wasn't that you know, well, we need to increase the population. It was like, no, no, your mortal soul depends on you, you know, having two, three, eight wives. So you know, sorry, <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's the way. Yeah, that's <laughs> the way the chip spread. Sorry, honey, but uh, you know, I, I just like it's like. One woman leaves me frustrated enough. Like I do not know what I would do with two or eight wives, like, other than I'd spend all day just bringing them water or something like that. I I don't, I don't know, but but yeah. So so this guy and, uh, and I mean was his, and this was just after uh, Joseph Smith died by defenestration, right? They threw him out of a window. Yes. So. Yeah. He was he was sort of he was held in jail, and then uh, the people who did not like Mormonism, and, and they had quite legitimate reasons. I mean, there's never a legitimate reason to just murder somebody, but but uh, yeah, they attacked the jail and 
shot him multiple times. And it's, it's actually, if you really read the details, it is gruesome how, you know, how uh, him and his, his, the guys he was jailed with were kind of, kind of killed. But, I mean, uh, it was a real tarred yeah. and feathered kind of a story. Oh yeah. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much. They, yeah, they were, they were quite, um, not vindictive, well, maybe vindictive. They were, yeah. They did not spare him any, uh, you know, any, uh, any, any mercies. That's 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 for sure. But uh, yeah, so this 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 uh, strang strang guy. Now his gimmick was he was like, no, no, I'm the head of the Mormon Church, and actually we're going back to monogamy. So there were actually a lot of Mormons who did not like the idea of monogamy, and uh, and they were more than happy to follow this guy. Monogamy. We I don't have to try and find three other women. You know, finding that one was hard enough. So you, now I got to find two, three more. Like what the hell, right? So yeah. So he was able to pinch off about twelve thousand uh, followers in, in Utah, and then he uh, went out to uh, Michigan and found an island in Lake Michigan called Beaver Island, and uh, there he he sort of established himself as the the king of uh, of Beaver Island. Now again, I will point out his his uh his thing was you know he was uh returning mormonism to uh you know to monogamy that that uh you were not allowed to have multiple wives but of course now that he's the head of a church he's kind of like whoa 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 <laughs> Let's, maybe we should take another look at this monogamy Wait, thing like, we do know, call it beaver island <laughs> exactly, <you know. laughs> there's something in the name exactly uh yeah so, i'm getting a fax from god uh turns out he changed his mind about this exactly <laughs> things really turn on a dime when now you're the head of a of a, of a cult you know but um but uh he, um, he also he also had the idea that he was going to uh, this was in northern Michigan. Uh, he was going to reform the Illuminati. This was his other his other plan too. So because you know why why not? So but once he uh, once he kind of decided to reinstitute uh, you know uh, what was it not Paul Paul not polyandry poly polygamy poly. Polygamy. Polygamy. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I would do better as like as like uh, one of many husbands or something like that. I'll just be the guy that organizes the shoe rack. Uh, just don't mind me, kind of thing. But yeah, <laughs> so uh, yeah, obviously, you know, people now started to to leave, and of course, you know, once people start to leave, you kind of get a lot more. Um, um, you know, crazy. So he, uh, you know, so he started instituting all these these laws, like you know, you know, dress codes for women, and 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 then if if you know the the, the wives didn't obey, they, he would actually have the husbands whipped, and um, and uh, and as we kind of talked about, sort of the last time, remember, and we're not doing, and uh, not like whipped Mike, in the colloquial sense of the term, literally whipped <laughs> with uh, oh, yeah. in a <laughs> yeah yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So he, uh, so he, uh, and as we were sort of talking the last time I was on, we were talking about um, kind of like micronations. Um, you know, the the, th the thing that always gets micronations in trouble is when they start to enforce territorial waters. And, and sure enough, he, you know, he felt he could enforce territorial waters in in Lake Michigan, which of course, you know, fisher people, fishermen did not like, and they they you know eventually filtered up to who the president was Fillmore at, at the time. And then uh, he, he had Strang um, arrested and he was prosecuted for, for treason. Um, unlike those dildos for the proud boy dildos, 
he he beat the charge. He beat yeah. the treason charge. <laughs> yeah, which which I'm not. I I, I don't know what 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 grounds, but um, yeah. So, uh, but uh, but eventually, you know, you you make enough uh, enemies, uh, and I guess you know, bed enough of their wives and stuff like that. Uh, he would some angry men from his church kind of found him and just you know shot him shot him dead. So, much like Joseph much Smith, like Joseph Smith. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he was the legitimate successor. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm thinking about when these people are just declaring themselves king or something like that. It's I don't know if either of you have watched Arrested Development enough, but there's one episode where Michael Bluth meets a uh, a British girl in a bar. And uh, in, in, a, in an English pub uh, for British eyes only. I need to check the records for any British owned building businesses that would have applied for license about 10 years ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. You'll need a UK passport to check those files. Therefore, British eyes only. For British eyes only. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> and, and I think of how if you walk around and talk in a certain way, uh, people will just start to believe you. Uh, turn, turns out she was just crazy. Well, yeah, and, and, <laughs> but, and but it's the same thing with an, yeah with a British accent. That if if and people can say the most ridiculous, idiotic things with an English accent, and they they seem erudite and educated, and you know, just obviously, you know, obviously correct in their advanced opinions. I mean, Princess Caribou just puts on a turban and makes up a language, and and then we're off. Oh, this one, this one, this was interesting. I mean, not because I, I mean, you know, anybody claiming to be king of something is interesting, but it also kind of gets into the idea of like, you know, who who can legit who could if if France for some reason ever wanted to, you know, restart the monarchy, uh, who who would actually sit on on the throne? So, um, but uh, we're, now we're going back uh, World War One. Uh, and Principality of Andorra. Um, it's a little it's a little kind of state between. Spain and and France, about eighty thousand people, and uh, it's it's probably very well to do today. But you know, around World War One or after World War One, it was it was not doing so well. And um, now the interesting thing about Andorra is it is it is ruled by two princes, um, and neither of which are princes actually sitting in the country themselves. One is the uh, is Prince of Spain, and one is a uh, the King of France. So, um, of course, now France there is no more king. So, so whoever is the president of France, which I these days it's uh, Mar- uh, Macron. Macron, yeah, yeah, Macron, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so the the president of France is actually the Prince of Andorra, and then he also shares power. Uh, there, there's a Catholic bishop, um, and so that's to in, this day. Oh yeah, to this day, yeah, wow. in uh, Catalonia, Spain, as uh, so yeah, so they they kind of share duties as the as the head of uh, and Andorra. I mean, whether Macron, you know, issues any executive orders, like you know, I I don't know, but uh, yeah, but but yeah, I mean, it could be like you know, Canada and the monarchy, and they're just you know, they're symbolic at the, at the top, but they have you know, they they obviously they, they have a parliament and, and and stuff like that, so. Um, yeah, so there was this guy, uh, Boris, and I'm going to butcher this name, Skos, Skoskyref, Boris 
Skosky Ref. Okay, he was a uh, he was a British guy, uh, World War One veteran, and just you know classic grifter grifter guy. Uh, he decided he wanted to be the the king of Andorra, and he and this he worked at it, man. He he hatched this kind of interesting interesting plan. So so um, he kind of shows up in Andorra, and he he starts claiming he's um, he's um, he's Dutch royalty. And um, he's some count, the Count of Orange, and uh, it shows up in Andorra. Now Andorra is kind of post World War One, kind of chaos. So he uh, he he actually gets a lot of um, uh, sort of the ears of a lot of uh, Andorran voters, but he he has himself a new constitution. And he's going to, uh, you know, they, you can use my constitution uh, if you make me, uh, if you make me your, your, your king. So, um, you know, people kind of like that, but, you know, the government was just sort of like kind of started looking into this guy and, and, and sort of discovered, you know, that he's, he is, he is not a Count of Orange and, you know, he, the, 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 the Dutch know him. He's just kind of a, a convicted criminal. And so, so they, they, they sort of booted him out. Um, so he's like, okay, they booted him out. Now his next plan is to become Andorra. He's, he's, you know, try, try again. Uh, again, you know, he reasons that whoever is the king of France is, you know, one of the co-princes of, um, of an Andorra. So, uh, so his idea then was, uh, he would, you know, r- real simple. He would just get the legitimate heir to the, you know, the French throne, you know, put, back in charge in France, and then that guy would then make him regent. So um, now this gets into this idea of like, okay, you know, so who technically, you know, if they did want to revive the the, the uh, throne in France, who would sit on the throne? Now you have like, you have like three lines. You've got the, um, like, you know, like Louis the, uh, was he like Louis the 14th, you know, the kind of the, the sun king, you know, uh, who was, you know, uh, executed, right? You know, you've got sort of his, I think it was the bourbon, the bourbon line. Mm-hmm. And then you've got uh, Napoleon, you know, who crowns himself emperor. That's another line. Now that, now that's one where, where he kind of did become emperor because he gave himself the title and it totally worked. Oh yeah. Yeah. For, for sure. For sure. And, and then there was, there was a, there was a third line. It's weird because you, you know, even though you think there was a French revolution, they got rid of the king. They actually brought a king back, like after the French Revolution. It's it's there's a whole other line of kings that they brought back for for a time. So you basically have these kind of three lines, right? The Bourbon line, which was ended by the French Revolution. You know, would you reinstate them? You know, or would you reinstate you know Napoleon's line? Well, Napoleon was technically an emperor, not a king. Or the actually the last line to sit on the throne would you reinstate them so so there's kind of a problem there but but uh but you know, sort of coming back to this um scoy 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 probably call him boris yeah let's just call him boris well boris the first you want to call himself boris yeah boris boris the boris the first he uh that was sort of his idea now eventually the 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 bishop of of um catalonia and spain kind of gets word of this dude trying to like you know uh basically you know foment some kind of like takeover of the government and then they they he he sort of contacts the um 
the uh, the the you know the, the the Spanish authorities, and they kind of put out uh, you know an APB for this guy. We'd like to call him in for some questioning, seeing seeing what he's what he's up to. And uh, of course, again, Boris Boris the first again, you know, he doesn't go quietly. He he you know instead of just you know sort of slipping away, uh, he declares war on Spain, which you know now it's like. <laughs> Okay, you know, hey, make my day. So yeah, so he, he ends up getting arrested after he declares war on Spain, and um, and uh, he he spends some time in a Spanish jail. Of course, then World War Two happens, and then um, yeah, you know, believe it or not, you know, he I'll join with the Nazis. So he he kind of joins with the Nazis for a while, <laughs> and then after you know. <laughs> Not a, a good plan because they lose the war, and then he's he's arrested by the French as a collaborator. And you know, you can believe collaborators were not treated particularly well. And so, um, uh, yeah, so this guy is just 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 a long chain of bad ideas. So he gets now out of jail after being serving time for being a collaborator. He moves to West Germany, and then decides, you know what, East Germany. <laughs> Was where it's at. He decides he's going to go work as Grift in East Germany. Heads to East Germany again. No one's fooled. He's arrested there. Finds himself uh, sentenced to like twenty five years in a Siberian work camp, and uh, he's eventually released and gets makes his way to Germany and dies like in nineteen eighty nine. But uh, yeah, yeah, this guy. Uh, boy, this guy was really. Uh, <laughs> well, he really got into it. <laughs> Yeah, what is yeah, one one bad idea after another? But you know, he had he had <laughs> definitely had some gumption. Yeah, <laughs> and, I mean, just the idea of 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 this isn't going well, so let's declare war on Spain. That, that oh, oh, exactly. how is this going to end? <laughs> it's just like, well, what was it? I remember it was like Gaddafi. He, uh, I think, his son was like living in Switzerland, and then. He just was like eventually arrested in Switzerland because he was like like physically beating up his servants, and while that I don't, maybe that's legal in Libya if you're the Gaddafi's son, you know the Swiss do frown on you savagely beating your your, your servants. So <laughs> he's arrested, and then um, and then yeah, Gaddafi declares war on Switzerland, which is like. You know, guy, uh, no one's actually declared war in Switzerland for like 300 years. Like, you, you sure you want to do this? Like, you know, that's, you know, you're a little, little bit bonkers there. But, um, yeah, <laughs> but this one, this, this, I love, I love this one here. Uh, Princess R- Rosari, uh, Tam, Tam Anya. Princess Rosari, Tam Anya. Um, and, and this is, this, this woman deserves, I mean, literally, legitimately deserves all success. She, she actually did eventually, uh, uh, garner, but, um, um, this is, she kind of emerged in the, in the, in the mid thirties. Mussolini, uh, was kind of spoiling for war in, in Ethiopia. Mussolini had yet, yet to invade Ethiopia, but everyone was pretty sure, you know, Mussolini was going to invade Ethiopia. And, uh, and, and no one was fooled that, you know, if he invades Ethiopia, this could be another war, right? Like, like we'd sort of almost think like we just stumbled into World War II with it. But people, even in 1935, were like, oh, well, I mean, Northern Africa would become the primary front for, for the Italian uh, portion of the Axis powers. 
Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, so yeah, so I mean, so newspapers of the day, it was it was huge news. Like, like I'm also a bit like before, you know, Russia invade Ukraine. It's like you know, it's a headline. It's just Russia going to invade Ukraine, and you know, and you know, every expert would, you know, yeah, of course they are. Or, you know, they would be a fool too. And you know, it was it was it was a great you know brief time for kind of like like talking heads trying to predict the future. You know, what's going what's going to happen? So, um, you know, there was a lot of sort of newspaper you know articles about uh, you know the potentially Mussolini invading Ethiopia and, and stuff like this. And if you remember, the, the Haile Selassie Emperor Haile Selassie was the uh, was the, uh, the the leader of Ethiopia back then. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and and um, and so this this woman kind of steps forward and, and she claims, to, oh, you know, she's uh, she's his cousin, um, and, and and she's a princess, Princess Rosari, and 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 she lives in New York, and um, and so she starts giving all these sort of interviews about like like. Don't worry, you know my uh, my cousin Haley Selassie. He's got it. Uh, he, she starts spinning all these things. It's like you know he's he's got hundreds of thousands of troops. They've been trained by like you know the the best you know special forces troops in Britain, and uh, and he's built all these underground fortresses and there's weapons caches everywhere. And you know the Italians are going to be slaughtered in Ethiopia. She's you know telling all these stories, and of course no one in the newspaper industry is going. Why are you telling the Italians, you know, the the emperors, you know, yeah, I mean, you're telegraphing the entire defense strategy, yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, uh, but at the end of every article, she'd be like, "Oh, by the way, I'm also a singer, and I'm going to be performing at this club on this night. Why don't you come down and, and see me?" So, so once people sort of thought, "Oh, gee, gee, you know." Emperor Haile Selassie's, you know, cousin, this princess, she started getting booked in a lot better kind of venues and, 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 <laughs> and, and, and stuff like that. So, so, um, so she get booked in a lot, a lot of venues. And, and now, the very interesting thing about, uh, you know, the sort of like Ethiopian royalty is it, it is very is very important for Ethiopian like members of Ethiopian royalty and you know, members of the government stuff like that. They're trying to tra- trace their roots back to the Queen of Sheba. That 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 you know the Queen of Sheba is really kind of a mythological figure, but but in 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 the last few centuries that you know a lot of people have tried to sort of trace their roots back to her, uh, and and that then gives them kind of le- le- legitimacy and and. I mean, it's really the most elaborate form of, uh, I'm not sh- sure if, if, uh, this phrase translates the same way, uh, in Canada, but in the United States, we'll say, oh, I have a girlfriend, but you wouldn't know her. She lives in Canada. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I don't yes, know if you yes. say, uh, that the girlfriend lives in the United States up there. I, I'm not sure if it goes both ways. Oh, I got this really hot girlfriend. Well, she's from Newfoundland, so you know, <laughs> I, I, you can't meet her. Yeah, probably, probably Newfoundland, but yeah, yeah. You don't want to because you got to go to Newfoundland. I'm warning you now; they're going to make you kiss a fish if you go there, and you have to drink screech, and so you don't even want to go there to check it out. So yeah, I've got a, I've got a cousin uh, who's a who's a prince. Like, you know, Princess Caribou, right? You know, when things start to hit the headlines, eventually word gets back to somebody, and then the uh, Ethiopian royal household is like. No, <laughs> there, there is no Princess Rosari, uh, you know, and, and even if there was, like, there's no way she could have a career as, you know, as a nightclub singer. <laughs> it ended up being that it eventually sort of came out, um, uh, she, this woman was from, from Harlem, Islin Smith Harvey, 
like a lot of people, you know, in the depression, like she's an incredibly talented woman, but you know, also being African American, couldn't really find venues for her her talent. Her and her agent just basically cooked up the cooked up the story, you know, it's like Lord Halford, right? You know, from uh, what's the who, Lord Halford in um. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. So, oh, Judas Priest. <laughs> Judas Priest. Thank you. Yes, right. Lord Albert Judas Priest. Yeah. That's great. So yeah, yeah. So right, right. <laughs> so like you know, as but then he, you know, it's like oh, well, maybe he must be a lord, and then just just ride that, you know, <laughs> ride that to uh, uh, Broadway, right? So so yeah, so uh, yeah. But you know, uh, e- even though the you know the the. You know the, uh, the the scam was sort of revealed. It was like she did not find her. You know her 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 concerts canceled. They were like she's she's a genuine talent, and and she was able to sort of you know um, you know parlay that into a decent you know decent singing career, and then she still kind of performed as you know um, you know you know sort of Princess Rosari, and, and uh, but you know kind of more now on the Lord Halford. You know like uh, yeah. You know, you're the one who put one over on all these highfalutin New York publications. Yeah, great. That's really quite brilliant. I mean, if you're if you're going to start a some kind of a singing career, what a great leg up t- to be royalty. Japan at the end of World War Two, right? You know, Japan had an emperor. Mm-hmm. And um, and they still have an emperor. One of MacArthur's biggest, hardest decisions was trying to figure out what to do with Hirohito, right? You know, Emperor Hirohito. If he gets rid of him or even executes him, you know, he's got you know a hundred million Japanese that are going to be very hard to control, right? So so he had to walk a very kind of fine line between between holding Hirohito accountable for war crimes and having a hundred million uh you know japanese kind of you know suddenly restarting the war w- with all these you know, american troops in, in in country there was a, there was an interesting middle way that was kind of offered to to macarthur the hirohito comes from i believe it's the 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 northern court there were like two competing courts it's called the chrysanthemum throne that Sounds like you're a very delicate throne to sit on. Just gently sit on it. Just don't jump to the chrysanthemum throne. You'll break it. So, yeah, the chrysanthemum throne. So, so there are two courts, the northern court and the southern court. And they were both kind of like fighting it out in the 14th century for control. Who who uh, had the legitimate claim? And eventually, the southern court said, okay, you know, fine, you can have it. So, so the northern court took the throne. And then Hirohito descended from the northern the northern court. So, there was there was this guy. And uh, he he was actually the you know we we could trace it way back he was actually the the uh, legitimate descendant of the, the the southern court which again had relented uh, Hiromichi Kumazawa Hiromichi Kumazawa so Mister Kumazawa even though he was you know a descendant of you know these former emperors he was just he was very humble shopkeep that kind of stuff but it was known you know he was you know technically what his bloodline was. So there was this idea, almost like the fake slate slate of electors. It's like, okay, if we can just kind of like say, turns out way back in the 14th century, the uh, the Northern court didn't take the throne legitimately. Then this guy from the Southern court 
he is actually the legitimate emperor of Japan, we'll install him on the throne, and then we'll throw Hirohito in the brig. And then the Japanese can kind of go, yeah, you know, we were just duped by this pretender to a throne, this Hirohito guy, not our fault, no, you know. And then save base and still have an emperor. Oh yeah, ex- exactly. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, now, now MacArthur, you know, MacArthur kind of did sort of roll it around, and and then just sort of decided, no, no, he decided basically he decided to say what you know the the devil he knew kind kind of thing. But uh, but yeah, but it, it, who knows how things could have turned out. So, did it turn out that this guy's claim was actually somewhat legitimate, or was the whole thing just sort of manufactured so that they could replace the Hirohito with somebody else? Oh no, no, it's definitely. I mean, his, well, his claim to the southern court was legit, but but the southern court's claim to the chrysanthemum throne would not have been legit. But but you know, if um, you know, if if I had an inkling, Sean, that I could get you made emperor <laughs> of America, I would do very well under you, right? <laughs> you know? So 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 he, he, and. Jules, you'd probably do even better. I'm sorry, I'm assuming Jules, you'd probably do even better. So, yeah, you know, the so, thing is, uh, the only throne that I lay claim to is the porcelain throne on a Saturday night. <laughs> uh, that's that's the only one. <laughs> yeah. The only yeah, throne so, that would I mean, have so, you. That's yeah. what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's, 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 ultimately, it's not surprising that even though this guy was a simple shopkeep, that there were people kind of like around him going... Okay, we could put this dude on the throne, and then you know he will pay off some favors, you know. So, so yeah, I, I, I don't. I, this guy, I don't think was a grifter, but um, you know, he was the uh, you know just uh, some people saw an opportunity to kind of save the uh, monarchy and kind of absolve the, the the royal household of war crimes, kind of thing. So, the old uh, seven centuries ago bait and switch. And as far as like, you know, legitimate claim, if the guy would really did have a lineage in, in this southern court in Japan, and then that was on the losing side of a war, I mean, the idea of legitimacy is something that's constantly negotiated anyway. Yeah. That negotiation with who legitimately is, you know, is it going to inherit a throne or royal titles in general is always decided it is there's nothing there's no external arbiter that's that's telling you yeah. that you know, yes you are you do have the royal blood you know or something like that you yeah. know there's nothing yeah. special about any of these people Sean what are you talking about it's decreed by god yeah. uh, we all know that it's handed down from the heavens <laughs> one step beyond. hey everyone that is the end of part one of our nearly two-hour-long conversation with Carl Mamer. Subscribers, you can listen to part two in the next week or so on the Patreon feed. If you're not a subscriber, you can sign up for $5 a month at patreon.com forward slash wetwired. If you want to find us online, we're at wetwired on Twitter and Instagram, or you can join our Discord. That link is on our episode description. I'll also include the links to find Carl Mamer on social and to buy his new book, The Conspiracy Skeptic's Book of Lists. I think that's everything, so I will see you next time. Bye.